Texas mother is feverishly helping her young son bathe, fearful of a disease that was quickly spreading. As she scrubbed and scrubbed, she taught the young boy to spell the word quarantine. And as he made his way through each letter, she muttered under her breath, you're not safe. You're not safe. This, of course, was the opening scene to the 2004 film The Aviator and not at all a reaction to the COVID-19 pandemic. Although I'm sure we've all learned how to spell quarantine and have maybe felt varying degrees of safety the past several months. The Aviator, directed by Martin Scorsese, starred Leonardo DiCaprio as the industrious, ambitious, and OCD-ridden Howard Hughes and it told the story of his life leading up to the development and controversies surrounding the H4 Hercules, or as it's more affectionately known, the Spruce Goose. Later on, I'll tell you a little bit more about the Spruce Goose, including all the juicy Senate hearing details. I'm Kelly, and this is Through the Lens. But before I get into all of that, let me welcome you to our new series, Inspired by the John Hughes classic, we are going to celebrate planes, trains, and automobiles. This week, we'll take a look through the lens at planes, both with and without snakes on them. Sorry, I, I couldn't help that. From protection from the elements to protection from enemy aircraft, optical coatings play a major role in the world of aviation. To learn more about it, let's go to Dan. Avionic displays in both commercial and military applications look to shield electromagnetic and radio frequency interference, also known as EMI and RFI. EMR can simply be a nuisance like radio static. It can also degrade and destroy devices depending on its intensity. As electronics become faster and smaller, they require greater bandwidth and become more susceptible to EMI. The transition from analog to digital devices also raises the risks of EMI. Many factors contribute to EMI, including energies, frequencies, waveforms, as well as cavity dimensions. It's not possible to predict exactly whether and if EMI will occur and to what extent it will interfere or influence your application. To control EMI, engineers use conductive coating materials that reflect, scatter, and absorb unwanted energy. These material technologies are also used for what is known as multispectral camouflage, or what many people call stealth. Multispectral camouflage makes planes essentially invisible by reducing the amount of heat given off by the plane while also altering the shape and size of its radar signature. This helps military planes avoid detection by enemy radar as well as helping pilots evade heat-seeking missiles. When a wave of energy makes contact with an EMI-shielded window, it will be reflected or absorbed. Depending on the thickness of the material, it will provide reflection, loss, and shielding effectiveness. EMI shielding and absorbing materials can block more than 99% of incident energy, thus protecting electronics from harm and fighter jets from detection and enemy fire. All military equipment, including avionic displays, require an EMI RFI filter to prevent disruption of images from enemy interference. In addition, all military platforms requiring visible apertures and low radar cross-section must use continuous film shielding to maintain stealth performance. Typically, electronic devices are simply shielded with a standard metal container or a liner. However, displays must be shielded with something that you can see through. 
In most cases, tungsten, mesh, or some sort of metal mesh is stretched across a piece of glass or plastic to provide shielding, which is approximately 70% transparent to visible light. Another option is a vacuum-deposited coating, indium-tin oxide, or ITO, a transparent but electronically conductive vacuum-deposited material that is more aesthetically desirable alternative. ITO coatings can also conduct a consistent electrical current to enable heating in cold temperature environments for displays. Although ITO is a great EMI RFI shielding material on display panels, it isn't as conductive as a pure metal film. When a plane needs the optimal stealth technology, the military spares no expense using the most stable and electrically conductive metal around, pure gold. That's correct. Some shielded elements on military aircraft are shielded with a conformal coating of evaporated gold that provides consistent, reliable, and effective EMI RFI shielding. It's time for the sidebar. The year was 1942 and World War II was raging. The United States was desperately trying to send troops and supplies overseas, but were running into a major issue. German U-boats destroying their shipping vessels. Because of this, the US government sought a new way to send their men and supplies over to Great Britain. They knew two things. Whatever it was, it had to be big and it had to fly. The government contracted shipbuilder Henry Kaiser to lead the project, but due to his inexperience, he reached out to Howard Hughes to help develop a flying cargo ship. Progress was slow. Hughes, the ardent perfectionist, was never satisfied with the design, and 16 months after it began, the partnership between Kaiser and Hughes ended. But Hughes was stubborn. He was going to find a way to complete this project, no matter the cost or time that it took. He entered into a new agreement for funding from the U.S. government and got to work. There were challenges. He couldn't use high-demand metals like aluminum, so instead he used pressed wood. He developed and built the aircraft bigger and bigger, and then the war ended. Hughes still continued to work on his ship, his Hercules, made of pressed wood and obsession to succeed. Unfortunately for Hughes, the US government didn't share his enthusiasm and instead invited Hughes to a special meeting of the Senate War Investigation Committee. The Senate believed that Hughes had misappropriated funds and was trying to defraud the government. Hughes had this to say, the Hercules was a monumental undertaking. It is the largest aircraft ever built. It is over five stories tall with a wingspan longer than a football field. That's more than a city block. Now I put the sweat of my life into this thing. I have my reputation all rolled up in it. And I have stated several times that if it's a failure, I'll probably leave this country and never come back. And I mean it. On November 2nd, Hughes took the helm of the Spruce Goose, his Hercules, and along with a crew of 300 and a few members of the press on board, he taxied his aircraft and took flight. For 26 seconds, the world's largest aircraft soared 70 feet over the earth and then touched back down. While the flight was short, it was enough for the Senate 
it was the first and the last flight of the Hercules. The Spruce Goose is now on display at the Evergreen Aviation and Space Museum outside of Portland, Oregon. You can visit it today. It's amazing what determination, imagination, and a lot of pressed wood can do. Back to the show. Optical plastics continue to gain favor with designers and manufacturers in multiple industries, including avionics, due to their relatively low cost and flexibility in the manufacturing process. They also allow for numerous value-added enhancements that can improve their performance optically for a multitude of applications. The only real drawback to machined, diamond-turned, or molded plastics is the material's predisposition to abrasion and chemical retack. Luckily, there are coating solutions that help fight both issues and do not interfere with the optical integrity of the plastics. The real question is how durable are these coatings once they're applied to a plastic? Understanding how much durability these coatings add to manufactured polymers is important when specifying your durability requirement. In many cases, designers and engineers, especially in the avionics industry, specify abrasion specifications that are intended for a glass optic outside the plane when it's a plastic part that's actually being specified. Obviously, this creates a challenge, as in many cases, the plastic substrate itself wouldn't pass the test, let alone the coating applied to the plastic optic. So assuming the specification is accurate and pertinent for a polymer optic outside of a plane, a hard coating can achieve some pretty impressive abrasion and chemical resistance. Hard coatings can pass ASTM D1044, a Tabor abrasion test measured with delta over haze, with levels of less than 7 after 500 revolutions. They'll also stand up to chemical attacks from acetone, sodium hydroxide, Windex, and a 1% solution of hydrochloric acid. This is specifically important for avionics as de-icing fluid is particularly harsh on polymers. Those tests are all very important and impressive, but the real exciting tests come from avionics industries um, later on in the process. The polysiloxane coatings have passed things called a 12-shot hail test, wherein a golf ball is fired at the coated plastic at 72 miles per hour 12 different times. Any degradation to the coating creates a failure mode. Additionally, plastics have passed salt-sulfur dioxide spray tests, fungus growth tests, and a 600-mile-per-hour rain wind speed test. Oh, hi there. Did you know that North American Coating Laboratories offers both standard and customized coating options from the UV to IR spectrums? With over 45 years of experience, you know we got you coded. Connect with the experts at NACL.com. That's NACL.com. We're here to help. Thanks for taking a look through the lens at optical coatings and their applications for planes. Next time, we'll continue our series and have a little chat about trains. But before I go, I want to share one more fun fact. Before Leonardo DiCaprio played Howard Hughes in The Aviator, he played Jack Dawson, the third-class heartthrob from the 1997 mega-hit Titanic. Now, I'm not going to go into whether or not he could have fit on the door with Rose. He obviously could. 
and I'm not going to talk about the greatest power ballad of all time. Instead, I want to talk about where the movie was filmed. You see, it was a soundstage that used to be an aircraft hangar, an aircraft hangar owned by Howard Hughes. And what did he store there? The Spruce Goose. See you next time on Through the Lens.